0: Good morning, morning. we're glad to see you and we want to welcome everyone who's worshiping with us online this morning as well. Now, in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, in chapter 32, verse 7, he writes a scripture about how mighty God is. And it's interesting because he begins with the word AH, A-H. A-H, the word ah, is a way to get people's attention because he's getting ready to make a special announcement, an important announcement. It's like saying, alas, in those days. And so as he starts the verse, he says, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Now maybe you're in church today and your marriage is in trouble, and you're struggling there, and you're wondering, what can I do? I want you to know nothing's too hard for God. Maybe you've lost your job or your business is not doing well. you don't know where to turn. I want you to know that nothing is too hard for God. maybe the doctor has given you some bad information about your health or the health of a family member, and you're really concerned. you really can turn. I want you to know nothing is too hard for God. He is mighty and powerful and almighty, and he has some characteristics I want to share today. First, God is omniscient. That means that God knows everything. He knows everything. In fact, the Bible says that God can read your thoughts. Some of y'all are in trouble this morning. Let me just tell you, you know what, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, what's he talking about, and when are we going to leave and go to brunch? That's what you're thinking right now. Sometimes I'm a little omniscient, you know. I know what you're thinking. I read your mind, didn't I? Now, several years ago, Fox, the television station, premiered a show called The Moment of Truth. In this show, (coughs) you had to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, if you told the truth, you would win $500,000. Just to make sure you were telling the truth, they hooked you up to a lie detector so that you couldn't fudge, all right? And then to put a little drama into the show, they mixed into the audience your spouse and your friends and family and co-workers and people that you worked for, and so here were some of the questions they asked. Have you ever lied to get a job? Do you like your mother-in-law? Have you ever stolen anything from work? Would you cheat on your spouse if you knew that you could get away with it? One person said that the first game show, you already knew all the answers before you had to answer them. The problem was you didn't want to answer them. The contestants found it difficult because the the executives at Fox knew that people are depraved and lack integrity people have secrets that they don't want other people to know what if you had to answer all those questions in front of your family and friends and employers it would be difficult what if you had to answer it in front of the church it could be terrifying nonetheless honesty matters it matters for the sake of your family and community and friends it matters for your faith and also the community at large honesty is a matter of life and death after all Every moment really is a moment of truth, isn't it, before God, because God knows everything. Now, God is also omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. God is everywhere we are. There are people all over the world in Germany and Poland, South Africa, Brazil, Costa Rica, Japan, the Philippines, Australia, and right here with us today. And God's presence is there. God's presence is everywhere. He knows everything, and he is everywhere. And then third, God is omnipotent. God can do anything. You know, there are signs and wonders in the Bible. It talks about miracles that God has done. Nothing is too hard for God. God is almighty and powerful, can do anything. Now, I know that, I really do, but there are times when I wonder about it. You know what I mean? Because I just don't see it. I look at the world, and I see the pain and suffering, and I see the wars and the famine, and I see people who are struggling, and sometimes people come to me, and they ask me questions I can't answer, and I wonder, where are you, God? Where is your power? And I look at my life, and and I perform a a wedding, an a wedding. And then right after that, I hear that this beautiful young couple, the bride, has been diagnosed with cancer. Or maybe I have friends who've lost their business and gone bankrupt, and people who have miscarriages. And I'm thinking, God, where is your power? And maybe today that's what you're asking, that same question of God. Maybe things are tough for you right now and your relationships aren't what you want them to be and it's Christmas and you're stressed out because you're so busy trying to get ready for everything, aren't you? Don't you like the way they decorated all this stuff? They did a good job. I supervised all of that. I did an excellent job with it. That's just my gift to tell people what to do. You know, at home, Laura has been getting ready. Our tree is up, and she's hung the stockings, and she's coming in and bringing stuff that she's buying and telling me all about it, and she's getting ready for Christmas. Well, you know, during that time, it can be a stressful time, and maybe you have a dream of something you want to happen, but it's just not happening for you. There are things you really want to see come to fruition, but it's not happening as soon as you want. Maybe today is a day when you can begin to experience the real power of God and realize that even if things don't go the way you want them to, God does have a plan. The spiritual truth that we're going to see, first of all, is that Jesus' power is at work in you. <clears throat> Jesus' power is at work in you. In Philippians, the second chapter, Paul writes to the Christians at Philippi, and he says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. You know, when I first became a Christian, I thought, well, this will be great. Now that I'm a Christian, I know God, everything will be easy. I won't have any problems anymore. Everything will just be smooth sailing. I can just kick back and relax. It'll be wonderful. But it doesn't work out that way. Why? Because God's power is not for my life to be easy. God's power is to work in me to change me and to change you. You see, God wants to take us from being selfish, self-centered people to being people who are full of love and compassion, people who have peace and patience and gentleness and self-control, people who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe today you think God has put you on the shelf and forgotten about you, but that's not true. God loves you. He cares about you. And and even though it seems like nothing is happening, God is there. You think, God, where is your power? Well, let me tell you, it's real, and God can work in you. There's a school in Brooklyn, New York, and it caters to children with learning disabilities. At one of the school's fundraising dinners, a father of a student delivered an unforgettable speech there. After extolling the school and the dedicated staff, he said, where, where is the perfection in my son, Shea? He said, everything God does, he does with perfection. But my child can't understand things other children understand. He can't remember facts and figures as other children do. And I wonder, where is God's perfection? The audience was shocked by the question, But then the father said this, I believe that when God brings a child like Shea into the world, that his perfection is seen in the way that people react to that child. And then he told this story. He said, one afternoon, Shea and I were walking by the ball field. He saw some boys he knew from school. They were playing baseball. He said to me, do you think those boys will let me play baseball with them? The father knew that they probably didn't want Shea to play with them. He wasn't any good at baseball. But he also knew that if he could play with them, it might make him feel loved and accepted. So he walked over to the fence, and he looked at a boy in the outfield, and he said, what if Shea were to play for the team, your team? the boy looked around at his teammates to try to get an answer. He didn't know what to say. Getting none, he looked, and he said, Well, let me just tell you, we're losing by six runs, and the game is in the eighth inning. I guess he can play on our team, and we'll try to put him at bat in the ninth inning. Shea was given a glove, and he was sent out to right field. And then in that bottom of the eighth inning, his team scored a few runs, but they were still behind by three. In the bottom of the ninth inning, Shea's team scored again. They had two outs and the bases were loaded and Shea was scheduled to come up to bat. Surprisingly, the team gave him the bat. Everybody knew it was all but impossible because Shea didn't even know how to hold the bat properly, let alone hit it. However, as Shea stepped up to the plate, the pitcher on the opposing team moved up several steps closer to home plate. And then he just lobbed the ball up real gently so that Shea might hit it. The first pitch came in, and Shea swung clumsily and missed. Then one of Shea's teammates came out of the dugout, and he stood behind Shea, and he showed him how to hold the bat, and he held on to the bat with him. The pitcher moved up a little bit closer this time, and he just lobbed the ball up there again. And Shea and his teammate were able to hit the ball this time, and it just rolled to the pitcher. The pitcher could have easily picked up the ball and thrown it to first base, but he chose not to do that. He took the ball, and he threw it way up in the air and way out in right field. And everybody in the stand said, Run, Shea, run. So... That's what he did. He ran to first as they instructed him. Never in his life had Shea run to first. He scampered down the baseline wide-eyed and startled. By the time he reached first base, the right fielder had the ball. He could have easily thrown it to second, but he chose instead to throw it all the way past third base and it actually went out the field beyond the fence. Everybody said, run to second, Shea, run. And so Shea took off to second. Shea ran there, and then the opposing team shortstop grabbed hold of him and aimed him toward third (laughs) and told him to run to third. And Shea ran to third. As he rounded third base, all the boys on both teams said, run home, Shea, and he did. And they all met him at home plate, and all those boys picked him up on their shoulders. He was the hero. He had hit a grand slam, and their team had won. After the father told that story, he said, that day, he said softly, with tears running down his face, all those boys reached their level of God's perfection When they did that, God was at work in them. The power of God can be at work in you and me if we're just sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Second, Jesus' power is at work for you. In Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah writes about God, and he says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, And even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Now, if you translate that word youths there in Hebrew, what it's talking about is an Olympic athlete. Even the best of the best grow weary. And it says young men will stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe that hits home to you today. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're tired. Maybe it was all you could do to get your kids ready and come to church today. Or maybe just get here yourself. The good news is that God gives us strength and power when we're weary. One of the heroes of faith is the Apostle Paul. And he wrote most of the New Testament. He had a handicap of some sort. We don't know what it was. He referred to it as a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God to remove it not once, not twice, but three times. But God responded to him in Second Corinthians, and he said, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then Paul goes on to say something interesting. That's why for Christ's sake, he says, I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul was one of the greatest men who ever lived on earth. But he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, it's in those weaknesses that God shows up best. It's in those times when we don't know what to do or how to do it. We don't know where to turn, that God's power works in through us. You know, over 40 years ago, I moved from Tennessee to Niceville, Florida, and I went to work at the First Methodist Church there. I was trying to discern if God was calling me into the ministry. The preacher at that time was a man by the name of Doug Newton. Many of you probably know Doug. His son, Alan, was a former pastor here at Woodlawn. He told a story that I had never heard at that time. Growing up in Tennessee, I just wasn't familiar with it. He said... That he moved to Niceville, Florida from Enterprise, Alabama. And while he was there, of course, he learned the story of the farmers in Enterprise who were accustomed to planting one crop every year, cotton. They would plow as much of the ground as they could, and they would plant as much of it as they possibly could. And they did that year after year after year, and that was their livelihood, cotton. But then one year, the dreaded boll weevil devastated the whole area. The next year, the farmers didn't know what to do, so they mortgaged their houses, and then they planted cotton again. But the boll weevil came back and destroyed the the crop once again, and the harvest was not there. Those who still had anything left, some of those farmers the third year decided to do something different. Because of that boll weevil, they decided instead that they would plant something else. They would try and experiment. What did they have to lose? And so they planted peanuts. The peanuts proved to be very hardy, and they proved to be a great uh, profit to the farmers. And, And those who survived those first two years made a huge profit the third year, and they were able then to pay off their debt. But then those farmers decided to do something else. The peanuts had blessed them so much they decided that they would have a statue made a statue of a bold weevil and it would be a monument and they would put it up in the town square in enterprise alabama you ever seen a bull weevil <laughs> those are ugly insects i remember the first time laura and i drove there and after i'd heard that story i, I wanted to see where the methodist church was and I wanted to go see the boll weevil. It wasn't too far apart. You could walk right down the street, and there it was. I mean, you really have to stop your car and get out and look at it. It's a weird-looking insect. But if it never had been for the boll weevil, they never would have known to plant peanuts, and their disaster would never have turned to delight. They learned that God was at work for them even when they didn't realize it. No matter where you are, God loves you and he cares for you, and his power is real. Jesus' power is working in you, and it's working through you, and through him you can be strong. And then third, Jesus' power is at work through you. Now, in one of the favorite scriptures that we all know, Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. To all the ends of the earth, we get to share the good news. We start right here at home, and it goes out from there, and it goes out all over the world. You know, every person here today is a minister. Look at the person next to you right now and say, I am a minister. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Now, when they start to relax a little bit, look at them and say, you are a minister too. Tell them that. Because you are. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a teacher or you have a business or you're an employee or whether you're an athlete, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a minister. And Jesus' power is available to work through you if you'll just step out on faith and ask him to use you. Kenneth Boa wrote a book a few years ago, and he compares soaring eagles to Christians. He said that learning to soar through the power of the Holy Spirit is what you and I are called to do. It seems to me that God must like eagles because 33 Bible verses mention them. Eagles are true flying birds. What I mean by that is that to get started, they jump off a a branch, and then they really have to flap as hard as they can to get going. But then something happens. There's warm air that comes up from the ground, and it creates thermals. And so what happens is those eagles learn how to soar on those thermals. And once they are airborne, they just can float through the air on those thermals. Have you ever seen them do that? It looks so effortless, doesn't it? And it looks like something all of us would like to be able to do, wouldn't we? You know, even little eaglets, when they're two months old, when they feel the wind, they'll stand up and they'll spread their wings because they know that they're going to soon learn how to fly. At four months old, that's when they start to leave the nest. That's when they start the training of the thermals. Thermals are in columns, and they're formed as heat rises. Staying in the warmth of the thermal, the eagles are able to soar. It's an aerodynamic action. see, gravity's not taken away. It's still there, but they've got something to lift them above the gravity, right? Now, once they're through that, their wings don't have to work so hard, and they can soar. You know, when you and I start following Christ, we're like eagles spreading our wings, Once, we have to start flapping all over the place as hard as we can to do the best we can. And sometimes, like little children who fall down, we hit the ground. But through repeated practice, we finally learn what it means to soar. Now, in Greek, the Holy Spirit is called the pneuma, the current of air. And it's that spirit that raises us up, that lifts us up, that gives us the power to do things that we couldn't do on our own the power to do the things that we want to do for God, but we never would even try without the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. See, there's really no reason that I'm up here in front of you today because I'm just an ordinary guy. I know what you're thinking. Well, he said the truth there. Amen. He's just an ordinary guy. But don't get too conceited because you're ordinary too. Did you know that? You know, most of us are just ordinary people, but God chooses to work in us to do extraordinary things. I mean, that's what makes it even more challenging. In my weakness he can be strong Now what happens is when people see god working in us they said well i know they couldn't do that on their own there's something special about them laura told me something this morning she said yesterday she was at walmart and she was pushing her buggy and she was looking around trying to find everything and there was a man standing in the aisle he had on fatigues and he was just standing there she said i almost ran into him because i was looking at other things she said i stopped and turned my buggy and i said excuse me i'm sorry i I didn't mean to almost run into you and then then she walked on by and the man said hey and she stopped and turned around he looked at her and he said you're a christian aren't you she said as a matter of fact i am he said i could tell just by the way you acted then he said this He told her his name and he said i want to ask you to do something i want to ask you to pray for me she said i'd be glad to do that and so this morning in her quiet time she lifted him up in prayer how did he know that she was a christian you know a lot of times people see god in us they see god's spirit alive and well In us, working through us to be about his business. And even though we're ordinary people, God can use us. Think about Jesus. He picked the disciples. They were just ordinary guys. There wasn't anything special about them, fishermen and tax collectors. They weren't Pharisees or Sadducees. Nothing special about them. They were just workers. And God picked them, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things through him. And so, I wonder, when he looks at Woodlawn, what does he see? He sees a group of people, the body of Christ, maybe just ordinary folks like you and me. And he says, you know what? I want to do extraordinary things through you and through that church. I want to accomplish things that you couldn't even imagine or dream of. I want to do it through you because in your weakness, that's when I show up best. I wonder this afternoon if you might be willing to pray a prayer. Lord, would you show up in me? Lord, would you work in my life? Hey, would you work in our church in such a way that that people just look at us and say, Hey, there's something different about you. You're a Christian. I can tell. Would you pray for me? You know, God gives us divine appointments every day. It's an opportunity for us to stand up for him. And when we do that, then He is glorified. And that's the purpose of the whole thing. And so today, would you pray that? But now listen, be careful what you pray for. (laughs) Because God will answer your prayer, won't He? Amen? And so, but you've got nothing to fear. Why would God ask you to do anything that He wouldn't equip you to do? And so you can just turn to Him with full peace and joy in your heart. Say, Lord, you know, I want to do stuff for you. There's nothing special about me, but there's something real special about you. Would you use me in an extraordinary way, not for my benefit, but for somebody else's benefit? And we'll just give you the glory for all that you accomplish through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.